Hello, and welcome to the LVP Architects podcast. So in this podcast, we're going to talk about how you should go about starting your case study, such as information that you need to consider and gather. So the easiest way to start this is if you list all of the projects that you've worked on so far. Now with this list, what you'll do is you'll get the Reba work stages and put all the projects in the relevant stages. So some projects may only span the beginning part because you're involved in the concept design up to planning and another project may only involve the construction period only. Move them about within that timeline and see where you've got gaps and those gaps you will need to fill in. So I don't know, for argument's sake, let's say you have no construction experience. So what you need to do is you need to shadow and shadow is basically just going to a live project within the office and asking to join in not to work on it but just to join in so when they have meetings you'll attend when they go to site you'll attend but you're not actually unless unless they need you resource wise you're not actually involved in that project so to summarize you've got your projects that you've worked on you've seen where there are gaps and picked projects that you could shadow you then need to list out the procurement routes for each project that you're intending to use or shadow and whether this procurement route is traditional single stage i don't know two stage dmb management contracting or others um you need to, to list out if you don't know what a procurement route is you are going to have to know this you're going to you're going to need to learn it it's critical um but for now it's simply the method by which the design and construction of a building is obtained We'll go into a little bit more detail about procurement routes and other topics in, in the following podcast. But for now, because we're just talking about starting the case study, we won't get distracted by that. But it is fundamental to understand it because it will help you get to grips with what your role is in each stage of a project, along with what your responsibilities are to reflect that. The next thing to investigate for each of those projects or shadow projects is to note down any appointment types and the relevant signed forms contract for each of them. Like I said before, knowing your role is quite critical, um, especially with the roles of other project team members as well. So your role and responsibilities are determined by your appointment and the scope of works. So what stages are you appointed to? Uh, What is the scope of services set out in your appointment contract? So, you know, the obvious one is architectural design, but what does that mean? Does it go into greater detail? Are you going to do planning applications? Are you appointed to be the lead consultant? Um, are you going to do CGIs? Are you going to be the contract administrator? How are you appointed for that? Are you going to provide the principal designer role? So all of these things will be set out. And later on in other episodes, we'll discuss appointments and scope services in more depth. But what you need to note down for now is what has been included in the services in the appointment document. So the agreed scope of works will spread out across the REBA plan of work stages that you've been appointed to. So, you know, you need to know the REBA plan, zero to seven stages, um, what's in them. So there's a template that you can get hold of. There's some great guides that REBA do themselves that you can obtain. So you need to understand that because you may be appointed from stages zero to three only, and that might be to cover feasibility, preparing a brief, you know, the concept design, spatial arrangements, but that's it. On another project, you might be appointed only for stage four to six. So you're doing technical drawings, your site visiting, 
and then you're seeing it through to a handover. But what your responsibility within those stages are is defined by your appointment and related to the procurement route. So you've gained this information from the projects you've worked on. You've seen some gaps. You've got information on as much as you can of the projects you're going to shadow. So what should you write about? This is the next step. You need to ask basically two to three main questions within the case study, depending on the word count allowed, obviously. Showing your findings, explain why it happened, as it happened, and your reviewing of the outcome and seeing if actually the approach that was used through that project in that moment was wrong or was actually just correct. And it was the, it was the, the right way to go about Regardless of whether you had a different procurement route or a different appointment, it wouldn't have changed. That's what you've got to, to gain out of these two to three main questions. So they don't have to be the most sophisticated questions, but they should interrogate areas of projects such as the client brief, appointments, fees, your scope of works, the procurement type, um, the construction phase, any delays, you know, key elements that you're trying to review that if you'd done it by another manner, that outcome may have been better than what you'd actually achieved. Or actually you conclude in your argument that the approach was in fact correct. So the questions um, should focus on different times. So it shouldn't be three questions just purely focused on the front end of a project. You've got to try and spread it out because um, you're trying to show the entirety of a project that you understand it that you were involved in it or whether you shadowed it but you understand it so i'll give you some examples of questions so i don't know if you take appointment and scope of works was there a formally signed appointment document that clearly stated the architectural services right so that that could be one question second question could be in the procurement route was the chosen procurement route the most suitable for that project and then you could have one that's on construction issues. You know, um, I don't know. There was a delay claimed due to late information. Why had it occurred and what could have been done to avoid this? So they don't have to be the most sophisticated questions um, for this case study. What you're trying to get is you're trying to ask something around an issue that's occurred. See whether applying a different route would have given a better outcome. Right. So you've narrowed down the stages of the project that you can ask your questions in because you've got all these projects, some that you've worked on, some that you've shadowed, um, you've worked out the procurement type, you've worked out the appointments, and you've collected the files and emails and contract documents and some personal commentary you've got, um, books on the subject or lecture notes relevant. You are trying to provide a structure to your question with supporting information that complements and contributes to your answer. So let's use one of the previous questions as an example. Uh, was there a formally signed appointment document that clearly stated the architectural services? You will look into this and your supporting information might be a basic email conversation and a drafted appointment document that was never signed. Then you've got your lecture notes on appointments. You've got the ARB code of conduct. So you've got this supporting inf information. So in your question, you're now going to discuss and review it. So you'll be able to review the ARB and REBA requirements on this topic, why you need clarity in your appointment, any issues that occurred that could have been avoided, what process and documents could have been used and why. 
So you'd be trying to demonstrate that you understand the formal process in appointments and projects in principle, but that if you don't, you do have a know where to find the information or guidance. One of the reasons you're, you're choosing these questions to touch on different stages of the project is so that your case study has a, a flow and demonstrates that you understand the REBA stages, what happens. Obviously, it's not a diary, so it shouldn't be day one, I wrote an email to blah, 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 day two, I went on site. It's not that. That's that's why these questions are kind of important because they'll help you focus and narrow down into key things. Um, it would be really difficult to write the entire project timeline and demonstrate that you understand how everything works from start to finish. You know, the word count would be horrendous and it'd be a tedious read. Um, so remember, you do get the opportunity to demonstrate your understanding of how the REBA stages work, how a project works related to that, how your appointment sits in that, how the procurement route can affect this. Um, you get to demonstrate that not just in your case study, but in your exam papers and the interview. And we'll talk about those in later episodes. And this is this is quite important to remember when you structure your case study and, and revision in general. Again, this podcast is to help you understand a case study. So this is touching on how to start it. I'm, I'm not going to tell you how to organise it in respect of uh, how it should be structured, your introductions, your layouts, writing style, formats, etc. Because there are plenty of books and guides and tutorials out there that you can refer to. All you need is a basic structure and give some shape and form by slowly adding information bit by bit. This is why I keep referring to a timeline because it, it just helps you structure it out. So simply go in chronological order. Um, you know, you could begin by describing in the introduction pages the work stages of a project so you can demonstrate how you know them. And then within that, highlight the areas you will focus on, review and discuss in your case study. So follow that up now. Break it down into some chapters that focus on your questions. Break it down further into subheadings and with the final section being your conclusion. So a couple of little things here of your gathered information which is going to support and help you to answer the questions that you're asking. Um, remember to add all the relevant sources. Block out any sensitive information. Um, so this this is for everything. So any emails, reports, appointment letters, contract items such as clauses, um, warranties or you know whatever, and place them in your appendices and reference them accordingly in your document as and when you refer to them. Don't forget to reference book extracts you use too and there are ways to format and reference them. The point of these questions is, is to demonstrate yeah, that you understand procurement types, you understand appointments, um, you understand the project so that if it was done in a different fashion that issue that occurred may or may not have gone away. But it's, it's not to trick you. This isn't about finding the perfect solution. Sometimes things you do work out the ways they do because that's the only way it would have worked out. The outcome, in fact, does not necessarily have to be a negative one. It could be that it's just reinforcing. It was, in fact, a textbook outcome. Everything that was done was correct because the contract administrator acted efficiently and notified all the parties in accordance with the contract and every relevant stage. You know, it could have been something like that. So don't be disheartened or don't reject your question because the information you've gained 
doesn't support a change in the outcome. So one other thing is your conclusion to each question should be succinct and recap small sections of information only when necessary to push your final thought through. And at the end of the case study in your final review section, summarise again if there is a common thread and neatly links all your questions and answers together, you know, such as a recurring theme. Maybe it was these issues always occurred because of the employment requirements or the, the procurement route itself. Remember that as you learn more about these topics within the design and construction process, um, you may need to review and edit your case study accordingly. So don't, again, don't be put off. If you begin with the suggestions that I've made, it will set you up to begin to answer those questions. Hopefully this podcast has helped you understand the case study a little bit more, uh, especially where to begin, um, and what sort of information you need to look at and questions to ask, um, and hopefully give you a little bit more confidence um, in beginning. I start with case study because it's, it's where you should really begin because there are so many subjects that you're going to learn Hopefully this podcast has helped you start your case study. So if you tune into the next episodes, we'll touch on subjects that you really need to know for your exam and we'll link into your case study and your interview and even your PEDR. If you'd like to learn a little bit more or jump ahead into other aspects of the part three, then please, by all means, go to the Amazon website and purchase our ebook, which you can get in paperback format too, called unofficial guide to the architectural part three by lvp architects so tune in into the next episode where we'll start talking about some of the subject matters that you really need to know for your part three and see you soon